When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Williams. Kaylee Priest launched a career in real estate in pursuit of a lifestyle of freedom. As a business owner, her aim is to educate and partner with her clients while helping them fulfill their own goals and turn a house into a home. In this episode, we talk about how Kaylee chose this path as the right choice for her after a lot of soul searching and what anyone interested in real estate should know about this particular industry. Hey, Kaylee, thank you so much for joining us here today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I wanted to start off just kind of hearing about your role as a teacher and your experience and history and education. Yeah, so I wanted to be a teacher for as long as I can remember and was so excited to graduate from college with my degree. And I started off just substitute teaching for a year and then I got what was at the time my absolute dream job at a small private school in downtown Chicago. Um, And I taught first grade there for four years before deciding to leave and look for something else. What ultimately made you want to start exploring other options? Yeah, it was kind of um, so many things, as I'm sure it is for most people. I absolutely loved teaching while I was doing it, and I was in it um, really for the kids. You know, I I loved being with the kids, um, having just those relationships with them and seeing them grow, seeing them change. And that's what kept me in it for as long as it did was because I just loved being with them. And after or during my fourth year, it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, there's like all these things big and small that were leading me to feel like I might need a change. And uh, ultimately, I had just gotten married uh, the summer before my last year of teaching. And that was what really helped me realize, like, gosh, I'm spending a lot of time at school and I'm spending a lot of my weekends and really a lot of my just life energy (laughs) is going into this job. And I didn't realize that as much when I was single. And it didn't really matter if I stayed late most nights or um, got in early or worked the weekend most of the time. Um, But 
after getting married, I realized it was also affecting my husband and um, we would love to have a family one day. So that was kind of the biggest push for me was realizing that this is not a lifestyle that I want to sustain long term. Um, And there were some other, you know, just little instances and things along the way that uh, helped me to get there. But ultimately, I just realized I needed a lifestyle change. So like I said, I at the time when I left, I wasn't sure if I needed a break from teaching altogether or if I just needed a new environment and to look for a new school. So I ended up uh, leaving in the summer and then substitute teaching for a few months at a couple other private schools in the city and realized that uh, it, I did need a lifestyle change and that some of the things that were <laughs> stressing me out about uh, teaching and just leading me to feel so overwhelmed and really unhealthy physically and emotionally and mentally in a lot of ways, uh, those were gonna be the same no matter where I went because that's just kind of, it was part of the job I was learning and um, realized that wasn't what I, what I wanted long-term. Oh, I should also add that all of this that was 2019 that I left. So it was in March of 2020 when all the schools shut down that I was substitute teaching. I was in a long-term sub position at the time. And uh, that's when everything shut down. And so I had all this time in my hands to kind of sit and reevaluate and think, all right, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to go back into this when the schools open up again? um, Or do I want to look for something else? And my dad has been in real estate for 20 years and I've done some administrative work for him over the years. And really it was going back to the lifestyle issue, looking at his life for the last 20 years and He was the one who provided for our family primarily, and yet he was still at every single one of my soccer games as a kid. He would travel with me on the weekends to go to my tournament. You know, he was very much in control of his schedule, and that was something that I realized with teaching, I had no control over my life, and even a lot of the decisions that happen in your own classroom sometimes you don't have control over. And so looking at the flip side, looking at a career like real estate where you can run your own business, you can make your own decisions, you are in charge of your scheduling. And that can be, you know, for better or worse, you can still burn yourself out because you can still work 24 seven, but you are in control. And so that's really what led me into real estate. Yeah, I think that, like you said, when it comes to your relationships with your family, it's something that so many teachers struggle with. I mean, this is a theme with the other people that I've interviewed for the podcast, you know, the episode that we did on self-care, her therapist actually told her, like, you were in your 20s, you do not have kids. Why do you feel like you don't have time to watch a one-hour TV show with your husband? And, like, for me, you know, I felt very much like if I stayed in the environment for another year, I would not be with my fiance now, who was my boyfriend then, because Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to make any time for him. You know, there were so many opportunities that I had to pass. And I think also you talking a little bit about the autonomy of, of not feeling like you have control over your own decisions that you're making inside the classroom is Mm -hmm. something that I personally really struggle with. I found myself outside of the classroom in a position where I lost autonomy and I immediately pulled myself from it because I realized after I got it, that is exactly what I wanted. And so now I was very clear on like what was making me unhappy in this position and then what, Mm -hmm. what direction I needed to take to find happiness. And I'm so excited to talk to you a little bit more about real estate because I've never 
really explored that opportunity. And I know it's one that many teachers are really um, excited to learn a little bit more about. Did you struggle with that being your ultimate decision or were you just right off the bat, you knew exactly that you were going to go from teaching to real estate because you already (laughs) had that connection with your family? That's a great question. No, I did not know um, that that was what I was going to jump into. And it was a lot of uh, thinking about it, praying about it, talking about it with my husband and my family and my dad, my parents. And because I think one of the biggest things that I struggled with was this idea that your career has to be your passion and it has to be something that just drives you. And that is, you know, that's your identity. That's what that's what gives you your desire to wake up in the morning. Um, and I think with teaching, it's really easy to kind of make that connection and feel like because so many teachers do get into it for the love of it, right? For the love of kids to try and make a difference, to impact little lives. Like there's so many beautiful qualities of teaching um, that I think it can be really easy to intertwine something that you love and you're passionate about with that has to be your career. And so I kind of wrestled with, well, gosh, I don't feel passionate about houses. Like I don't feel like I just can't wait to get up and look at a house. That was a big part of my struggle was just working through that and working through, well, I don't actually think that's the same thing. And my career will never make me who I am. Like I'm, I'm an individual person apart from the job that I wake up and do, but that also the same skills and passions and um, just traits of what made me love teaching and enjoy teaching transfer over into so many different careers, including real estate. And I think for me, it was kind of finding, okay, well, what did I love about teaching? What, you know, gifts or skills or abilities helped me excel in that, that would then transfer over and like maybe make me a good real estate agent and really kind of diving into that, exploring that helped me to make the transition. Um, And I realized, you know, there are so many different real estate agents out there and what's going to set you apart is what makes you unique, just like in teaching, right? That's, that affects your teaching style and how you connect with kids. And so realizing that, gosh, in real estate, there's so much overlap in that it's very people centric, which is what I loved about teaching. I'm very relational. It's all about relationships, building connections. But then also I've gotten to enjoy, especially as a newer agent, working with a lot of first time home buyers. And I realized that there's an education piece to that, that this is a process that is brand new to everybody that does it for the first time. It can be very overwhelming. There's a lot of language that's confusing. Um, and just a, it can be an overwhelming, complicated process when you're first getting started. And so I've actually loved Loved getting to work with first-time homebuyers because working with first-time homebuyers, I get to pull the education piece of teaching and explaining and helping something seem approachable and easy and understandable and really making it a fun process, hopefully along the way, something that can seem kind of daunting or overwhelming can seem uh, fun and enjoyable as well. I'm so happy that you... I mean, you hit on every single point that I was planning on responding because (laughs) Kaylee, I did not tell you this going into this interview, but my fiance and I are in the home buying process right now. And we have a lovely woman that we're working with, but yes, she does have to walk us through what are the differences Mm -hmm. in these contracts? What would we have to understand about this? Mm -hmm. If we get a house of this size, is it reasonable looking at this lot? to actually be able to expand in the future. And there's a lot of handholding and education involved in it. I could also very easily see you leveraging your experience in the educational industry by helping families find their homes in neighborhoods associated with specific school districts. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's huge when it comes to buying a house. It's 
you know, one of the things that people consider. When mm -hmm. I talk to a lot of people who are right at that process of deciding their next career move, that is mm -hmm. such a common roadblock for teachers specifically is we're intrinsically motivated. We went mm -hmm. into it because we wanted to help people. And so we need right. to find a role that surface level tells us, you know, it needs to be called executive helper or else we feel like we're not doing something that's going to continue to motivate us. But like every teacher that I've talked to after they left, they honestly have found a way to still continue to bring their love and passion to the new industry. There's a software engineer that I interviewed who like helps all the onboarding of new people just by training them and helps new software engineers because she loves doing it. There's mm -hmm. people who have taken my course have reached out and they said, well, if I look at these roles in education companies, I don't know if I'm going to feel motivated. And I said, surface level, you hear my job titles, but this is what I can tell you that I've done. You know, I've, yeah. I've given free professional development and free support to teachers. I've been able to find funds that large donors are giving to schools and help match them up so that they can buy technology for their classroom. I've been able to like locate unique, um, like low income coding academies and then direct schools to these really unique, great situations. But surface level, as the title, it doesn't, it doesn't say executive helper. It doesn't say you're going to have that same feeling, but you're always going to still be able to utilize these skills and you're always going to have them inside of you. Right, right. And I think I remember feeling too like education is such a specific degree. You know what I mean? Like you get your degree and you get licensed and mine was elementary elementary education, pre-K through four. And I remember <laughs> the, the last week of school, the year before I decided to leave, I literally Googled jobs for former teachers because I was like, what can I do? You know, like, I, I feel like there's some, some skills here that would maybe transfer, but what do I do if I want to use these skills that I that I don't want to necessarily go into teaching? So I think you hit the nail on the head with that, that even if the job title doesn't necessarily infer that you're going to be helping people, working with people, using all those skills that made you a great teacher, there are so many jobs out there that those skills will transfer really easily. There's one role that's been on my radar since I've left education and it's called implementation specialist or, you know, implementation manager, or uh, sometimes it's, you know, customer learning, blah, blah, blah. But implementation is just teacher. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. like watching some, like walking someone through whatever the product or whatever the onboarding process is. And people don't realize like, there are so many roles out there that are so similar, but even something that feels completely different, like real estate, like you're still going to be intrinsically motivated because you are helping first time buyers through a stressful process. And you are going to be able to like reap the benefits of seeing their success at the other end in the same way that you are motivated to see your students succeed. Like you want these people to find happiness in their home as well. Yeah, exactly. That's so true. I, I think a lot of times when we hear jobs, real estate or CEO or what whatever it is, we, we feel 
naturally, like we're not supposed to want those types of positions because on paper, they feel like they're just financially motivated. It just feels like mm-hmm. well, real estate agents, they make a lot of money. That's that's what that's all about. But mm-hmm. honestly, you know, there's an empathy piece with basically any position out there. And there's there's yeah. always going to be those personal connections and you'll always be able to you know, build off of your good heart and bring that to whatever you do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, like that was another thing I wrestled with was we have stereotypes of what certain job titles mean and what that looks like on a day-to-day basis. And I kind of had this perception of, oh, well, real estate, that's sales. I don't have a sales background. I'm not a salesy person. You know, that's not my personality. But from talking to other realtors, including my dad, I realized again, your your strengths that made you a good teacher or that lent themselves into teaching will also help you become a great, whatever your next career choice is. Different personalities click uh, better with others and that it's okay if you don't fit a certain stereotype of what you think a, a, a certain career is. I feel like any role with sales brings immediate imposter syndrome to teachers where they say, well, I'm not a salesperson because you know this is not mm-hmm. what I'm, this is not what I'm passionate about. And then that's a role that I always have to explain a little bit more in detail. Sales in education is you just explaining to a school district how they could use a product and how it works with their specific demographic and how teachers would benefit from using said product. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are some skills that are acquired and that can help you be better in that position, but it's not as, you know, what's it gonna take for me to get you in this house today? And that's the real estate agent that we're working with right now is very much, she knows our budget, she knows what we're comfortable with, and she's not ever made us feel like she's pushing to put us somewhere where we would be uncomfortable. She's just that connector and that helper to help us find the perfect house because we're lost and scared. And she's even been the one to go out of her way to say, hey, I'm looking at this house and you guys should probably walk away from it because of X, Y, and Z. And people get nervous that when sales is a component that it might change their heart or it might make them feel bad about their job. And ethically, you know, you'll be the one to be able to make that choice of of where you go with those types of positions. Absolutely. And people respond to you being yourself. You know, that will carry over into any kind of position and especially any kind of sales position is when you are genuine, people can tell. And when you are not genuine, people can tell. And so if you're just yourself, whatever your personality looks like, you don't have to um, have a stereotypical salesperson personality to go into a role like that. And in fact, I think, the more diversity that there is in those kinds of positions in real estate or in another kind of sales position, the more that enriches that environment because people have more choices of who to work with. Let's pivot a little bit and start talking about what your work-life balance is like now in your new position. Yeah. Uh, if my husband were here, he would be like pumping his fists. He has been just so happy for me because like I said, our first year of marriage, he lived that with me and watched uh, just my, you know, how much I was getting sick. My immune system was suppressed uh, probably from all of the stress um, and just how overwhelmed I was. And in the last year, it has been 
I mean, just like a complete 180 uh, in terms of quality of life. I feel like my quality of life has improved because that balance that was never there before, that work-life balance is finally there. And I'm so thankful for that. It has been a thousand times better. And I love that with real estate, not every day looks exactly the same. I love routine and I love structure. And I'm able to implement that in my own daily life. But some days I'm up and right out the door first thing in the morning going on showings. Some days I have the morning to myself and I'm doing showings into the evening. And um, that flexibility has allowed me personally to implement so many just healthier routines into my life. I'm like physically healthier than I was a year ago, mentally and emotionally, really just all around. Um, it's been it's been wonderful to be able to have that flexibility and that control over uh, just how much I'm working. And like I mentioned earlier, with a career like real estate that is very flexible, the same, uh, I don't know if dangers is the right word, the same potential for working yourself really hard, that's still there because yeah, you could work every single night until midnight if you want to, but you don't have to. That's, you have the control to choose, you know what, I'm cutting it off for the day. This doesn't have to be done by tomorrow. I'm saving this until the morning when I can get a good night's rest and start fresh tomorrow. So I think just the control, having the ability to decide my own schedule and, and to run my own business has been wonderful. And you saying that you're able to still work remotely and you're able to, you know, travel with your husband if something pops up and you wanted to travel. One of the things that a lot of people struggle with is the idea of losing vacation time as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's mm -hmm. a very real concern, especially if you have children at home over the summer and you're, you know, the prime caretaker of your children and, and that it would be a financial burden if you ended up having to put them in some sort of like daycare center. So one point though, that a former teacher has kind of brought up to me is she's able to still take paid vacations. And, you know, I feel the exact same way. I'm able to take paid vacations, but she says she's able to take paid vacations when it's less expensive than other people are taking paid vacations. Like things aren't as crowded and they're able to do things on weekdays or even longer periods of time where she said that during the summertime, she was actually taking so much time to like decompress from all the stress of her position that she never felt like she really enjoyed it. And I was at that same place. I had maybe two weeks of carefree summer live in Daphne, but the rest of it was like decompressing from having a terrible school year and then getting stressed out about returning another year to a job that I secretly knew wasn't a great fit for me. Um, one thing that I know a lot of people are probably struggling with thinking of this as their career path is just the imposter syndrome of what if I'm not good at it? Is it all commissions based? Am I just going to be stressed out if I don't help anybody? Is that a lot of pressure? So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how it works for the salary. Yeah, that is a big adjustment. It's a big adjustment from getting that paycheck every two weeks to all of a sudden it is completely commission. Um, and that was probably one of the biggest adjustments for me was just realizing, okay, I, you have to hustle, you know, you have to go out there and you have to work really hard. You have to put in the hours, you have to put in the energy, spend time learning. Um, I think my advice would be choose your brokerage. Well, that was one of the things that appealed to me about the brokerage that I ended up choosing was a, the flexibility. Um, it's a completely cloud-based brokerage. And so I can take my meetings from anywhere. I can go into our state brokers meetings from 
the car or the gym or like wherever I'm, if I'm out in between showings, right? I have that flexibility, but then also the passive income that it allows me, the brokerage that I chose, there there is passive income. And so even if I'm not necessarily hitting all of my sales goals, I am still able to have a source of income. So that was really important for me is feeling like, okay, there is still some sense of stability, even though it is completely commission-based, which is a huge adjustment from teaching. Yeah. So for anybody who's completely new to this world, you know, picking a brokerage, even that is some vocabulary that they're probably a little bit unfamiliar with. What specifically is a brokerage? Is that your managers? Is it the company that you specifically work for? How does that work? Great question. Yes. Your brokerage is essentially your company, the company that you work for. Um, It would be like the school that you teach in for comparison. Um, And then you still do have somebody that you answer to, like in the school, you still have a principal or some other administrator that you answer to. In real estate, you have a managing broker. And that is essentially um, the person that says, yep, you can hang your license in this building and kind of takes on some of the liability that that comes with practicing real estate. Um, But besides that, you really are your own boss. Yeah. So you choose your brokerage, which is like your company, and then you do uh, submit your license to your designated managing broker. But then besides that, you work for yourself and you control your hours, your uh, your schedule, what your days look like. Um, really, your managing broker is more there for when you have questions about things. And, and again, I'm speaking from my own experience. Every brokerage runs differently. Like I said, mine is completely cloud-based. And so all of our interactions for the most part are virtual. Um, but that is definitely one of the most important things I think in if you decide to get into real estate is to do your research and learn about the different brokerages that are out there and the different benefits that they offer. They're all different and they're all unique. And um, it's not a one size fits all. I think that there's a lot to learn and understand. Yeah, there's going to be different company cultures wherever you go. You know, you might work at a very corporate grocery store, you might work at the organic vegan only grocery store, and there's going to be completely different company (laughs) cultures wherever you end up going. So you just want to find something that's a good fit for you. When you were talking about kind of like doing your research, it really made me want to ask you a little bit of, if somebody was exploring becoming a real estate agent, what types of certifications would they need? Mm, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so when whatever state that you are in, like I said, I'm based out of Illinois, you study and then you take the test for that state. So it's similar to education in that way. Um, like I said, I was transitioning in all this during COVID. And so everything was online. Everything was virtual, which was very convenient. Um, I found a, an online real estate school and it's, it was go at your own pace, which is exactly what I was looking for. Thankfully, I had a lot of time on my hands because it was during all the lockdowns. So I was able to move pretty quickly. And um, really, once you, uh, once you finish your real estate school, your course that you've signed up for, then you sit for your state test. And um, once you pass that, then you are a licensed real estate agent. And so it's similar to education in that way. Um, once you pass your licensure exam, you do have to choose a brokerage. So you cannot, I could not just say, okay, great, I'm licensed. Now I'm just going to go out there and start selling homes. You do have to have a company or like I said, a brokerage that says, yep, we are responsible for her. She can hang her license in our office. We will, we will claim her essentially. Um, so like I said, do your research, look into the different brokerages that are out there. 
Um, but that's pretty much it. You take your class and online or in person, maybe there's some available in person now, you sit for the test and then you choose your brokerage. And from there, once you decide on a brokerage, you'll apply with them and they'll take it from there and they'll walk you through. And again, I don't know what it's like with other brokerages. The one that I joined, that was also part of why I joined because they were extremely helpful in just making sure that all your documents are submitted, that you're completely in compliance with everything because there is always some legal liability with things like that with licenses. Um, So I was very thankful that that whole process was extremely smooth and very easy. Did you feel pressure during the interview process to know everything about everything? Or did you feel, and once again, this is going to be a company culture kind of question, but did you feel very supported during the interview process where they understand a lot of people are coming in as brand new real estate agents? Yes. So I should clarify the interview process. That probably was not the right word to use. It wasn't an interview in the traditional sense of like, I wasn't applying for one specific job role. It was more just them making sure I had my credentials before I could join the brokerage. But that being said, to answer your question, no, that was one of the things I loved again about the brokerage that I chose was that it was so easy to be a beginner because you are kind of starting over, you know, like there's a lot that does transfer over, but you're also learning completely new, uh, environment, a completely new career. And so there's a lot, you're starting from square one and you're learning about this whole new market and what does it mean to, to be a real estate agent? And um, the brokerage that I chose has classes. Actually, they have classes every single day of every single week, but they have a whole weeks long kind of fast track to get you on your feet, to help you understand how to run your own business, because that was not part of teaching at all. That was really new to me. The financials of that, the marketing of that, and just in general, some best practices for being a real estate agent. They really helped walk me through that and make me feel confident in being a new real estate agent. (laughs) I love that. That makes me really happy because I know there are so many people who probably are listening that are nervous about embarrassing themselves. It's just Mm -hmm. something that happens when you're making a change you you know you naturally start to feel like an idiot when you go into these new industries you know you don't you don't want to walk in and then say like we've only hired these top real estate agents and how could you dream of coming in here and you spent so much money on this this certification but you know you don't have what it takes that I mean that's everybody's biggest fear when it comes in to making a change like this. It's just that fear of failure. But I personally kind of advocate for failing because I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I didn't put myself in the position to fail a lot. I've, you know, failed pretty consistently for for the past (laughs) four years, but it's also opened up opportunities for me to keep pushing myself to levels that I never thought were possible for me. Mm, That's awesome. Yeah. And I think something you just said reminded me too of, I think some of the best advice that I got from my dad, who, like I said, is also an agent was it's okay to say, I don't know. You know, even when you're out with clients, like I said, being yourself and being genuine, it's okay when you're new, you're new and you're still learning things and you're not going to have all the answers to the questions that people ask you. And so it's okay to say, you know, I'm not actually completely sure about that. Let me look that up and get back to you. And sometimes I even make the call right then, which leads me to my, my second point, which is just like in teaching, 
you know, if you ever had just that mentor teacher that was phenomenal, that modeled things for you, that you learned so much from, I think that's just important in any career. And that's what I found with real estate too was, um, like I said, I worked with my dad and I would go out and showings with him. I would go to listing appointments with him. I would go sit in his office and just watch how he interacts with clients. Watching somebody else model best practice is that that translates. And so finding a mentor, finding somebody that's willing to kind of take you under their wing and show you how it's done, somebody who's an expert at what they do, that has been just monumental for me and learning a completely new career. All right, I'm in. I want to be a real estate agent now. Um, (laughs) And I want to ask, because I know a lot of people are probably thinking it themselves, would there be a potential to even start this dipping your toes in on a part-time basis if they're not fully ready to commit to transitioning from teaching into real estate full-time? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, it's been a little different during COVID because everyone's been working from home. And so, you know, showings have been happening all throughout the day, but during kind of normal life, yeah, a lot of times people want to go look at houses in the evenings and on the weekends. And so if you're not completely sure if you want to make that big jump yet, you can absolutely get licensed, find a brokerage and just kind of shadow somebody part-time, take a few clients out on the weekends and just kind of dip your toes in because the hours very much allow for that. Um, I would say, as with anything in life, it's hard to know right away. If, when something's totally new and you don't fully understand, you don't know, it's totally okay to, to take your time figuring that out. And then once you make the decision, go for it. I'm very data-driven. I'm really motivated by numbers. And I know a lot of people overanalyze every detail about this process. If you feel comfortable Could you share even like the percentage that you usually take off of commission or like, let's say I live in Los Angeles. So the houses are one kajillion dollars right now, but (laughs) (laughs) let's let's just say a house is $500,000. Do you get Mm -hmm. like a 10% commission or what kind of number so that people can understand how this would translate into their own salary? Yeah. So it's a little bit different depending on if you are the buyer's agent or the listing agent. So as a listing agent, you set your own commission. Um, And again, I'm just speaking for Illinois. It is a little bit different in every state. So you'd have to look up each state's rules. But in Illinois, um, as a listing agent, that is something that you would decide with your client, the seller, what percentage of the sale price you're going to take. So in my area, it's usually somewhere between 5 and 7%. Um, so if it's a $100,000 house, that's going to mean $5,000 to $7,000. And then that is split oftentimes. Again, it's not the case with every single transaction, but most often that commission is split with the selling agent and the buyer's agent. So if I'm the listing agent and my client is selling a $100,000 house, I've set my commission at 5%. I'm going to take two and a half and the buyer's agent, whoever brings a buyer, will take two and a half percent. So we'll each get $2,500. I work mostly with buyers right now. So a lot of the times I'm not setting my own commission, but it is roughly around two and a half percent usually. Okay, that's great to know. And you live in a like a suburb of Chicago, so there are a lot of opportunities. If you lived in a smaller town though, there's probably less opportunities. Do you see a lot of remote real estate agents or people who commute into those larger cities from outside areas? Yeah, so that's one of the things I've loved, again, about my brokerage is I've connected 
through social media or through meetings with agents around the country. And um, through social media, I have gotten to know another realtor who's in Indiana in a suburb of Indianapolis that's a little bit more rural. And it's been interesting to kind of compare, you know, market statistics in a larger suburb of Chicago versus a smaller suburb of Indianapolis. Um, it's definitely not always the same, right? Like you're going to be different communities are going to have different markets. I think though, one of the strongest tools in your toolbox as a realtor is just being an expert in the area. And so if you live in a really small town, that's okay, because you're probably an expert in that town, especially if you've lived there for a number of years. And at the end of the day, so much of this business is built on trust. And if your clients trust and believe that you know this market, you know this town, and you have their best interest at heart, and you're going to help them to sell their house at the best price or find their house at the best price, then they will want to work with you because they want to work with somebody that's an expert in their field. So I, I can't speak to necessarily commuting. Maybe there are agents that do that. I don't know a whole lot that do that uh, where I'm at. I actually started when I was still living downtown Chicago and then just a few months into it, moved out to the suburbs because I knew that's where we wanted to be. So um, I was kind of doing the reverse commute. But I think most often, most realtors would say work and practice in the community that you are an expert in because you're selling the community uh, as well as the houses. And your network is most likely bigger in the community that you're in. People have friends right. of friends. They'll always be able to say, oh, well, this woman that I know is a real estate agent. Let me get you in touch. She's fantastic. So leveraging your own network, even in a smaller community, is probably the best bet for you, at least while getting started and you're figuring out your next steps. Wrapping up, Kaylee, I wanted to hear if you had any advice for any of the teachers right now who are listening. They're excited about this possibility, but they are still, you know, like one one step away from believing that this is a real possibility from them. What kind of encouragement would you give them? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, no pressure. Just make it really perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, I wish that when I was in that position a couple of years ago, I wish that there were that I had found your blog, your resources, and just knowing that, gosh, I'm not alone in this. There are other teachers that are feeling like this. There are other teachers that are feeling like, gosh, I don't know if this is for me anymore, even though I've loved it, that that's okay. That's okay. It's okay to love something and also know um, that it's time for a new season and to just go for it. Fear can really cripple us. And I think we have to be wise and discerning in that as well. Talking to your friends and family that know you really well and bouncing things off of them. Um, for me, praying about it was a huge part of that decision. But just go for it and just realize that the worst that can happen is you decide, okay, this isn't for me either. And then you cross that one off the list and move on to the next. But it's okay to exhaust a few options even before you find something that's a really good fit. That's such great advice. You know, that's something that holds people back. You know, what if this next thing is not it either? I put 10 years into my educational profession and then that devastated me that it's not working out or that I made a wrong decision. And so what if the next one's worse? And always looking back and reflecting, like how unhappy are you is a really good gauge of how that next step is going to feel. Because if you are absolutely miserable, the best day at a miserable job is worse than the worst day at a job that you enjoy. But you get 
better at adapting to changes, the more you put yourself in these positions. And then you also don't have the pressure of a teaching contract that makes it hard for you to find the next position. Once you're in another position, well, then you could be looking year round for that next thing. You've already crossed that bridge of leaving a contract that feels very restrictive. Yeah. And I've actually said that exact same thing that you just said, that even on the hardest days in real estate where I'm just running around like crazy and I get to the end of the day and I'm exhausted, I still feel like, gosh, I I still know that this is right. And it's still better than the hard days of teaching. Um, and so that's been another big signal to me that, yep, this was this was the right choice for me. And not everybody listening is going to feel that extreme. I mean, I hope not. Mm -hmm. I hope not every single person who listens to me (laughs) is absolutely miserable. I hope that as I say those things, there are people who can recognize I'm in a position and actually 80% of the time I'm happy, but there are some quirks about this position that I need to make some adjustments to because I am burning myself out and I do need Mm -hmm. to make changes on my own. But if the idea of a position that you're in makes you like sick to your stomach to think of yourself there for five more years or 10 more years, that's a huge indicator. And especially those of us who came from that position of having doctors freaking tell us, you know, like this is because of the job that you're in and therapists tell us like, why can't you leave? I know. And that's how I felt too. There were, there's so many joys. It's easy sometimes when you're in it to feel like there's so many positives. There's so many joys you know, when you're with little kids, I just remember coming home and having so many funny stories, right? There's so many positive things that keep you going for a while, but it was also realizing that, gosh, the negatives are far outweighing the positives at this point, And it's just time for a change. You can find yourself being turned into a negative person. And I can tell just by meeting you today that you are a lovely person who does not have a dark cloud above her. (laughs) So I'm very, very happy that you found something that brings you joy and continues to fulfill you. And I'm I'm just so happy for you that you've found this position and that it's working out well for you. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. I'm very, very thankful. And I can tell the same about you. You seem like a lovely person. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming. I know that there are so many people who have probably been listening and learning a lot. But just in case somebody happens to be in your area and is looking to buy or sell a home, where can they find you to get in touch with you? Yeah, so the best place would be my Instagram, which is Kaylee Price underscore real estate. Okay, perfect. And then we'll go ahead and link a couple of resources on how to learn to become a real estate agent in the show notes as well for anybody who's interested in next steps. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I want to give a huge thank you to Kaylee for sharing her story with our community. And if you're actually interested in getting started in real estate, I created a quick referral link to real estate exams and exam prep for every state, which you can find at teachercareercoach.com forward slash real estate exam. That's all one word, teachercareercoach.com forward slash real estate exam. Make sure to check out that page or find more resources linked in the show notes for this episode. And until next time, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with other educators. Thank you so much for listening.